Growler Media presents Joe vs. the Minute. Hey everyone, welcome back to Joe vs. the Minute. I'm Jarf and I'm here with Tyranny. Happy Friday. Um, we're here to talk about Minute 6 of Joe vs. the Volcano. And this is your three times a week podcast where we talk about the movie Joe vs. the Volcano one minute of screen time at a time. Jarf is being very professional. Hi, I'm Tierney, and I have a lot of complaints about open concept offices this minute. Just a heads up. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's Friday and we're trying to be positive, but this minute is a perfect example of my problems with this idea. Oh, it's a lot. You you don't want to be in a situation like Joe Banks is in this open concept office where he simply cannot escape the sound of his boss's voice and the most annoying one side of a phone call that has ever happened. So before we get too far into it, I just want to shout out our last opening credit, the written and directed by John Patrick Shanley. I appreciate a good written and directed credit. I I like movies where you can say this is the filmmaker's vision. So do I. As I mentioned uh, last week, uh, his other big credit as a writer is Moonstruck. And and I like the kind of contrast that you get of when it is someone's full vision versus writing a great screenplay and then someone else reinterpreting it. I think it would be interesting to have seen what Moonstruck would have been if Shanley directed it himself. Yeah, because I love Moonstruck, but I feel like it would be a lot more surreal, but I think in a good way. Yeah, it's fun to imagine. But here we are in Joe versus a Volcano and we get it. We are in the advertising department now. Yes. (laughs) This is just like pure, unfiltered Shanley. And it gets stylized and weird right off the bat. It's what would be a maybe mundane office scene in many other movies. It's just this this anemic color palette, these hellish flickering fluorescent lights. You talked about the open concept. Before it even goes through the door, as soon as the music cuts out, you can hear Dee Dee's typewriter. That's so oh loud. Oh my god. So yeah, the noise of typing and the fact that you can hear everyone's phone conversations are the number one complaint I have heard about open concept offices. And like the fact that I have to call people. It's like, I'm sorry, I'll be as quiet as I can. But we try and stagger the people who are on the phone the most so that they sit the farthest apart. But that's about all you can do. Yeah. And this is skipping ahead a little bit. But it totally goes with the open concept problem. I'm so glad they showed Dee Dee taking a hit off her inhaler because if she was sniffling because she was sick, I would like lose my mind because that's the problem. One person gets sick. Everyone gets sick. It's one of many problems. It, it's, it's a very stressful <laughs> I environment. I realize Joe has more, que- has more problems <laughs> than this, but I just really like that hit me right in the real world gullet. Yes, <laughs> right in the real world gullet. <laughs> Well, as we're backing up, mm-hmm. there was a shot that I really loved right before he goes into his office. So mm. it's when he's standing outside the door and you see the advertising department sign on the door. So if you look just at that shot, Dee Dee and Mr. Watori are each perfectly framed within the windows of the doors. 
And that kind of thing doesn't happen by accident. So it, 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 it was really beautiful. I never noticed that. I spent some time kind of scrubbing back and forth to see if they actually built two different sets to be like the outside of the office and then the interior because the angle that he goes through the door is not the same as when he tries to hang up his coat and the <laughs> hook falls off and, and you get all of that <laughs> great slapstick comedy. But I, I think it, it you are still seeing the same set from outside those doors. It's just he went through the door and then, then they cut and then they set up all the lighting and everything. And then they just have him walk in from stage left instead of walking the direction that he would had he continued walking through that door. More detail than you probably ever hoped for or wanted. No, I love that. I never <laughs> noticed that about the windows and Didi and Hedea, uh and Mr. Watori. Um, I just want to point out that a big chunk of this minute is the slapstick of Joe trying to hang up his hat coat. It is beautiful timing and acting by Hanks because just the pure slapstick of it isn't funny. What's funny is the moment of pause when he just looks down at the fallen hook before picking up his hat and trying again. And then the way he puts his hands up as he starts to back away, that is one of those little things that takes a gag and makes it actually a funny sequence. I I 100% agree. Hanks is absolutely killing it in this scene. He looks about 12 years old, but he is killing it. (laughs) (laughs) Baby Tom Hanks is really killing it. And, And I think he's doing a subtle slapstick that wasn't super common for the time. So this is this is 1990, so it's really more 80s. And you can imagine... Uh, so imagine if this is Steve Martin. And not that I don't appreciate Steve Martin, but I think he would more play it... He played a lot bigger, right? He'd, he'd go to hang it up on the hook, the hook breaks, and then mm, fume, and then... Oh, yeah. And then fumes. But... Tom Hanks, his affect is so flat, but you still see the exasperation. It's just, it's buried under these layers of, yeah. And so you really see a lot about his character in that he expects everything to go wrong. So that hook breaking is just, of course, it broke. Let me try this other one. Is it stay? Okay, it's staying. And yeah, I, I agree. It's really great. And then we see a little bit of a, a, a better look of Dee Dee's desk set up. And I just found her typing situation to be so tragic. So she is not following uh, ergonomic best practice. Not at all. She's got the full desk and then she's got this tiny little side desk with her typewriter. Typewriter? <laughs> with her typewriter. And she's hunched over. And then, like you said, she's taking hits off her inhaler and... Oh, Meg Ryan is doing such a fantastic job of nebbishness. She's almost unrecognizable. In this minute, I would consider her unrecognizable. <laughs> yeah, 100%. So what's the other guy's name in this office? The boss? No, no, no. Is it Todd? Whose oh, coffee stinks? I I was going to ask you that. I, if, if we know anything about this other... Well... He, he's totally uh, silent, as is everybody but Mr. Rattori. Nobody says hello or good morning to each other. I'm just pointing out that he has a lightning bolt on the poster above his desk. <laughs> I like your it's your DIY lightning bolt sound effect yeah. <laughs> that you put in there. But actually, so 
I was trying to count the lightning bolts so that we could have a running tally. But as we go, as we went through the factory on Wednesday, there was one on almost every box. And I got to 19 and then I just gave up. So <laughs> I don't, I don't have the tenacity or grit to count well, every single lightning bolt. It's not their fault it's in the logo. <laughs> right. But Frank, Frank is his name. Mm-hmm. He's. Are you just making that the, up or? No, no. I looked it up because I knew one line where he is addressed by name. So I just looked up that quote real quick on the Google. And Frank. The coffee stinks. <laughs> um, he's towing the company line. He has the po- they have the posters up above their desks. It just really it keeps going. Even though this is such a contrast to the factory floor, and I I will say, you know, I didn't appreciate it enough last minute. But that transition from the factory to the advertising department of Joe walking down the hallway is another great. Like you shift color palettes. Mm-hmm. From the blue of the warehouse to this, like, green whatever color this is that we're going to be living in for a while. So I I just, you know, I see a lightning bolt, I get excited. But I, oh, speaking of the coffee, my literal notes. Oh my god, period. I hate this table with the coffee, period. I'm gonna barf, period. I need to clean it so badly, exclamation point. <laughs> Oh, it's a disaster. It's it's a Oh god. It's one it's fits very nicely in a collection of images specifically meant to infuriate people with with you know mild to 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 high OCD. It'll take 2 seconds to clean up. Oh my god, please. I'll help you. And there's not that many people in this office for that no. to be looking like such a disaster. You know no one washes their coffee cup. And all the sugar probably spills. I bet they have ants. <laughs> yeah, I can't look at it. Do we have to make a shout out to Watchmen Minute because of the mug? <laughs> oh, the smiling face mug. Yep. That is a very 80s feeling. Like that, his hair and holding a smiley face mug perfectly dates this movie in <laughs> yes, my mind. That's true. <laughs> like th- we were having some time confusion with the 40s influence outside but no no this table could only exist in 1989 <laughs> yeah it's true and his hair could only exist in 1989 and should only exist in 1989 <laughs> but yeah so you're right the noises we have are Didi's typing Didi's sniffing uh her noises and then so i'm super excited that we finally get to talk about dan hadaya because everything that we talked about hank's doing subtle he's just doing as big as possible (laughs) which if you look at his career that is really his specialty right so what character do you think of when you see him? What what's kind of the Dan Hadaya role in your mind? So I I think I'm gonna ruin it again. You're leading me to perfect things, and I will talk about the mainstream things. But I will always and forever. And I wanted to mention it as soon as you said about talking about him being big. The mi- movie that I will always think of him in first is as the dad in Clueless. Oh, 
Same. A thousand percent same. He's a little bit more subtle in that role. And the reason that I love it so much is that my grandfather loved Clueless because of his character. Huh. Thought his and Cher's relationship was just one of the best things. We saw it twice in theaters. (laughs) That's so fun. (laughs) When he says, if anything happens to my daughter, I gotta... (laughs) What do you mean? And a shell... And and when he says, I doubt anyone would miss you. Oh, he just cracked up every time. (laughs) (laughs) My favorite exchange that he has with Cher is when Cher is bragging that she negotiated with her teacher (laughs) to get a a C changed to a... A minus. She's like, aren't you proud of my negotiation skills? I couldn't be prouder than if they were based on real grades. (laughs) (laughs) And it's just like, it's so of that time period. And you're right, he is being a lot more subtle in that role. But you kind of see that roiling under the surface is how annoyed he is but it's you know he loves his daughter and so in court that guy exists 100 percent. oh yeah that's true that's true he's definitely turning up the volume in court (laughs) he also played the dad in night at the roxbury didn't he you know i've never seen not night at the roxbury i feel weird recommending that movie (laughs) it's it's not good but it's also great like if that makes any sense Oh, there's there's tons of movies that I love that are trash, but that one <laughs> that one feels like one of the ones that you that you should have watched then. It's too late to watch it now. You know what I mean? And you have friends that you can still do quotes from back and forth, even though you only talk to each other like every four or five years. <laughs> right. <laughs> you still know Colin Quinn's gonna end up involved in your conversation. I'm I'm going to be rude and look at IMDb while we're on the air because I'm trying to think of what else he was in. Oh, Dan Hadaya? Yeah. I thought we were still talking about Night at the Roxbury. I mean, we could talk about that, but I'm gonna end up uh, just screaming quotes at you that mean nothing to you. So (laughs) (laughs) we'll just set aside some time and watch the movie at some point. (laughs) Well, since you're looking at IMDb, can I point out something strange? What we were talking about, John Patrick Shanley. Mm-hmm. So he doesn't have a ton of screenwriting credits. He after Joe versus Volcano, he transitioned more to the stage. Mm-hmm. So you can count them on one hand. We talked about Moonstruck. He's also got The January Man, which is Kevin Kline, Mary Elizabeth Mastertonio, Susan Sarandon, Daniela. So great cast. But the other one is Congo. Oh! Which I've never seen because it just kind of, it was, I saw the previews and I was like, oh, so Jurassic Park, but but not as much Jurassic Park. But now that I know that he wrote the screenplay, I am so curious what type of movie that is. I, I I was a really big Michael Crichton fan, and the preview for Congo was on a VHS before something. So I saw that, you know, a million times in my life, mm-hmm. but I don't know that I ever saw the movie. Well, what a, f- what a fun thing for us to discover. There we go. We got to check it out. How did I completely forget his starring role as Nixon in the 1999 classic Dick? Oh, I forgot about that too. See, the minute I said it, it all made sense. Yes. Of course this man played Nixon. Yes. I He also apparently was in Swim Fan, which I 
only saw because Jesse Bradford went to my high school. He was a little bit older than me, but... Oh, really? Yeah, he actually... One of my friend's older brothers was like kind of friends with him. You know, high school friends, not Mm -hmm. followed him to Hollywood friends. Oh my gosh, I had totally forgotten that Sherry Appleby was in that movie. I love her too, so... Yeah, actually... I, I watched that movie back in the day mm-hmm. because of a Sherry Appleby crush. And I'm so glad that I can finally reveal that to the Movies by Minute world because apparently the director of Swim Fan is one of the villains on Mission Impossible 2. And so just as they were kind of digging into him, there was a lot of eye roll discussion about the fact that, you know, after being in Mission Impossible 2, this guy directed this movie Swim Fan and everyone's like, ugh, Swim Fan, ugh, terrible. And, And me as a listener and fan of that show was sitting there in my secret shame like oh yeah i remember watching that movie what can i do sherry uh, apple be so oh, cute maybe maybe i saw it i don't know <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> i follow her now on instagram and she has started directing which is wonderful and i'm so excited for her but i was a huge roswell fan have you checked the out TV the new show. series I haven't because I'm worried, like, it's one of those weird things where I need to be able to separate it in my mind or I'm just going to be, like, yelling the whole time in my head. Right, yeah. So what about the series Unreal? No, I know of it, but I haven't watched any. It is really good. If you're a fan of Sherry Appleby's, I definitely recommend. Is that the reality show one? It's the reality show where she's like a producer. Yes, and so it's behind the scenes of a reality show. It's really, really, really good. Ah, I wanted to watch that one so bad, and I just it like disappeared before I. Seems weird to say it disappeared before I could, because obviously I could have. But you know what I mean. I missed it. (laughs) Yeah, I think uh, I didn't watch it in real time either. I think I watched it in Hulu on Hulu or something. But yeah, I don't watch any reality shows except for the occasional acapella singing competition but i was very ready for a a satire based in the world of the bachelor just because of how much i have to hear other people talk about it well it was a fascinating concept and i just jerf you realize what this means this means that over a decade ago you were sitting in your room having a crush on sherry appleby and i was sitting in my room having a crush on jason bear and we were watching the same thing and now we're doing a podcast together (laughs) this is amazing just out the window a giant full moon is rising (laughs) as it always does when john patrick shanley is involved apparently (laughs) see now i really want to see moonstruck directed by john patrick shanley because all the elements for a weird surreal thing are there oh yeah and it feels like Again, I love Moonstruck, and I think part of the reason it works is because there are all these crazy parts of it, but everyone in the movie acts like that's just totally normal. Mm-hmm. And so, I, to be fair, I think that like makes it work. But the idea of seeing a just completely off the rails Moonstruck is very entertaining to my brain. Yeah, absolutely. So I know what I'll be doing this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> right. Now that I'm thinking about all these movies that I haven't thought about in forever. Yeah, and and again, it's I'm very excited that we both get to discover Congo at the same time. <laughs> My boy Bruce Campbell is in that. I saw him in the preview. 
the first Movies by Minute podcast that I was ever on was our mutual friend Brad Mendenhall's Minute of Darkness. So I, I feel like it's all kind of tying together. And of course, I think we mentioned back in week one, um, Tierney and I met doing episodes of the Cosmic Geppetto podcast. So we're, we're just all part of the Brad Mendenhall cinematic universe. <laughs> It's going to so go to his head and it's going to be delightful. <laughs> I love it. The Mendenhall Cinematic Universe. You don't even have to change the initials. That's true. <laughs> That's a really good point. All right. Well, when everyone is watching Congo this weekend, where should we gather? Because I'm sure we're going to have a lot of feelings and thoughts. Yeah. So you can gather to share your feelings and thoughts in our Facebook group, I'm going to try to get it right for one time this week. The Joe versus the Minute listeners' luggage. You can do it. I can do it. The Joe versus the Minute listeners' luggage raft. Yay! (laughs) I was in, this is a story that Brad remembers all too well. I was in a play in college where I just had a walk-on role as the phone repair guy. And for some reason, I went method and I actually took apart the the prop phone. (laughs) And one of the performances, I got a little bit too nervous and I couldn't figure out how to get it back together. So (laughs) I, I just had to stretch. And it was well past the amount of time that I was supposed to be there to the point that the audience knew that I was stretching. But it actually was one of my nicest experiences of theater because since the audience knew I was stretching, I I was just filling time by whistling the Popeye's theme song. (laughs) And... I think pulled them in to what I was doing. So by the time I finally did settle down and focus enough to figure out how to plug the phone back together so I could get the hell off the stage, then there was like this huge sigh of relief from the audience. No. <laughs> so I, I got a kind of fim- uh, a similar vibe from that whole debacle with our Facebook page. Want to give another thank you to Jonathan Carlisle for coming up with the name. And I'm going to study up this weekend and try and come back next week and be a bit more polished with delivering your great idea. Other places that people can follow us are on Twitter and Instagram at Joe versus Minute. And we've covered just as much as we could this week. It's been a really fun week where we've started to meet some of our key characters. Uh, We've just gotten a little glimpse of Dee Dee, uh, but next week uh, we can look forward to some exchanges with her and Joe. And so we'll get to talk uh, about Meg a little bit more. And also as a treat for you next week, we have our very first guest on the show, mutual friend, Heidi Bennett. So that is something that you can really look forward to. And I think we've taken you as far as we can this week. Thanks for joining this journey with us. Where to next, Tierney? Emilio! (laughs) The other Roxbury heads get it. No. We are going to go away from the things of man. (laughs) Now I don't know I don't know where I'm gonna go
different. I'm a growler. 